Then in Kenya, there was attacks by Boko Haram, and now there's been a response from the French bombings today. I know that my emotions and my spirit are all over the place. We thought it would be important tonight as we're talking and learning about prayer to pray in many different ways. What we're going to do to start is give you a chance just to get quiet and to be silent, to worship God in the silence. And then when I snap my fingers, what I'd like you to do is look at the screen and you're going to be led through a time of silent prayer by what's on the screen and then you'll hear God's word read. So will you join me in coming before God in silence? Hear the word of the Lord, spoken from Luke 11. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. When you pray, say, Father, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. As we uh, continue our journey tonight, sort of exploring and learning about prayer. If we're honest, if I'm honest, we're a little confused and conflicted about prayer. Is prayer supposed to be this lofty language that is sort of unapproachable? Is it supposed to be really casual? Am I supposed to be honest or not honest about what's going on and Sometimes we're confused about who we're even praying to. So tonight, to get us started, we're going to take a playful look at a couple movie clips that help our, so give us a picture into how we're sort of confused about prayer. So let's watch some of those from your movie. All right. Those are some awesome clips. So tonight, I just want to have sort of an honest reflection and discussion with you guys about our life of prayer. You know, I think growing up we get this idea that prayer is all about asking God for stuff and telling Him what we need. But I think prayer is a whole lot more than that. It's part of it. But I think prayer is where we commune with God. It's where we come to God with wherever we're at, whether we're 
enjoying fellowship, whether we're lamenting what's going on in our life, whether we're questioning, whether we're acting confidently and stepping out in faith. Prayer is where we meet with God and where our relationship with God gets personal. Richard Foster, in this book, which I've read over the years about prayer, he wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline, and this is a book just about prayer called Prayer by Richard Foster. He says that practicing prayer is the key to opening our life with God, and Jesus is the door by which we enter into that fellowship through prayer, following Jesus, and because of the work of Jesus. So tonight, I want to talk a little bit about what does it mean for us to cultivate and to develop this practice of prayer in our life. When Jesus was working and living with his disciples, they noticed something about Jesus. They prayed their whole life. They lived in a religious culture. They'd been surrounded by people who prayed to many different gods and many different things. But when they looked at Jesus, they saw something completely unique. Jesus, something's different when you pray. Prayer is vital to you. Prayer is something that comes naturally and something that just seems totally interwoven with who you are and how you're doing what you're doing on this earth. Your fellowship with God is unique. And we want to pray like that, Jesus. We want to experience you. We want to experience. We want you to teach us. Just like John taught his disciples, we want you to teach us how to pray because we see something totally unique in what you do. So Jesus shared with them what we call the Lord's Prayer, which I think was meant to be prayed the way it is, as a way to sort of pray when you don't know what to pray for and and to learn how to pray when you're just getting going and when something that you can come back to throughout your life and say, I remember that praying that prayer throughout all the seasons of my life. But it's not just a prayer we're supposed to say, it's a model of prayer or a template of prayer that teaches us on how we're supposed to interact with God. You know when you have to start a paper and you go in Microsoft Word and you click like new document and then it says follow one of these templates and if you're putting together a paper or you're putting together a business plan, there's a certain template that you can use. In the same way, the Lord's Prayer was meant to be a template that we could expand and make our own and be the way that we pray with God. So, When they ask Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. He says, hey, pray like this. And what I'd like to do tonight is just sort of walk through some of the different movements of this journey so that we can learn from the model of prayer that Jesus gives us how we're supposed to do. And I'm going to try and slow us down and have us think about each of the different movements. The first thing that Jesus says is, Father. We need to recognize who we're praying to, to give our conscious attention to who God is, to not rush past this idea that God is our Father. Jesus doesn't say, pray like this, O great and mighty, omniscient 
designer outside of the realm of time and space. No, Jesus says, our Father, or Father. In the Aramaic, it would be a little bit more like Dad or Daddy, this kind of intimate fellowship with God. And God invites us to hold these two things in tension. God says, come to me as Father, as your Daddy, but I'm also this powerful, awesome creator of the universe. There was this picture taken in the early 1960s, before you were around and even before I was around, of John F. Kennedy in the White House when he was president, and his two kids, Caroline and John Jr., are running around. So this is like the most powerful office in the world where the President of the United States takes care of business and his kids are running around. So he's at the same time the President of the United States and dad or daddy. If you go to the next one, you see John Kennedy doing his business and little John Jr. playing underneath. I feel like God does that with us in prayer. He invites us to come into his presence, ushers us into the to the throne of the throne room of heaven and says come and pray with me and be part of me be part of my work and join me in prayer join in fellowship with me that's a wonderful picture i think of what god says when he says come to me as your father and hold intention to this idea that i am this awesome marvelous god while at the same time being your heavenly father in galatians chapter 4 Verse 6, it says this. And because you are children, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts by which we cry, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then an heir through God. God wants us to know when we approach Him in prayer, when we try and figure out this mysterious thing called prayer, this fellowship and this mystery that we have, God wants us to know that we come to him on a first-name basis as his adopted child through the work of Jesus that he did on the cross and raising from the dead. God's restored our fellowship with God, and when we come in the name of Jesus, God adopts us as our hev- being our heavenly Father. So the first thing to know is God is intensely personal. The second thing we do is that we declare God's greatness, God's glory. And you know what? I'm tempted, just like you're tempted, to move past this really quickly. But I need to be reminded of how great God is. To get a proper perspective and know how matchless and awesome and powerful and holy. Holy means just like set apart, that God is wholly other, that God is completely different than any created thing or any created being. And that when we start our prayers and we declare God's greatness, when we start to pray, whether that be wherever we may be, it's powerful that our prayers don't start, God says, don't start your prayers with you. Start your prayers focused on me. And what happens when we do that, when we declare God's greatness and take time and slow down and stay there a minute, is that I get less concerned about all the different things in my life and I get resized. 
I recognize how big God is. How small I am sometimes. And how small some of the problems that I have are. Not that they're not important, but I get resized. And it affects our lives. It gets us some proper perspective of who's in the center and who's on the throne. If you want to know where to go to learn how to declare God's greatness, go to the Psalms. The Psalms are God's, are the, are the people of Israel's prayer book. It's our prayer book where we learn to celebrate, where we learn to share our anguish, where we share our joys and share our sorrows. But the Psalms are great at learning how to declare God's glory. So after we do that first, declaring God's greatness and focusing our attention first on God, we move to the second part. And this part is for all of us, myself included, challenging and easy to want to jump over. But it's the critical issue in our life of prayer when we say, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before I get to my needs and my wants and my wishes, I need to learn to surrender and say, Lord, bring your kingdom before my wants. I want your agenda, Lord, before my agenda. And what happens when we start to surrender our wills to God, and this doesn't come easily, always, what happens is we start to come into alignment with God's purposes in our lives. We learn to surrender our ways to God. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. And this is where life change happens. This is where our our prayer lives get really real and honest. Because if, if I'm honest with you, there's times all the time where I wrestle with God, with what I want versus what God's revealing what he wants and what his scriptures teach me to be true. And when I come to God in prayer and start to say, no, Lord, your will be done, your, bring your kingdom and not just my wants, I wrestle, and maybe you wrestle too. And you may be wondering, well, how long are we supposed to pray this way? How long are we supposed to do it? It's not a matter of time or, or an exact time or an exact what to say. It depends on the season of life you're in and what's going on in your life. If we follow the example of Jesus, there was a time where Jesus went to see Lazarus who had passed away. And before he raised Lazarus, Jesus prayed just a really short prayer and said, Lord, I know that we are in agreement. I know this is what you want. And they prayed and quickly moved on. And Jesus raised Lazarus at a different time when Jesus was in Gethsemane before the night that he was betrayed when he was in the garden wrestling with what God wanted and whether or not God wanted him to go into Jerusalem and go to the cross and everything that was going to happen. He says, Lord, take this cup from me. Jesus wrestled all night. Lord, not my will, 
but your will be done. If there's any other way, Lord, let it be, but not my will, but your will be done. Jesus wrestled all night in prayer. And some of us, when we talk about surrendering our will, we wrestle with God about some areas, about relationships or money or our future. And it sometimes it scares us to de- death to let go of some of those things and put them at the feet of Jesus or in the hands of Jesus as we're communing with him in prayer. But if we're honest, the reason why this is such an important step to surrender your will and learn to surrender your will, and this can be a journey over course of hours and days and months where you're learning just to let go of things and trust in Jesus. And the reason why God wants us to surrender our will to him and learn to do that and learn to trust him is because God wants your heart. He wants my heart. He wants us to, he wants us to find our source of life and our source of satisfaction in him. So after we declare God's greatness and we move next to surrendering our wills, this beautiful Lord's Prayer says, acknowledge your dependence on God. Give us this day our daily bread. Acknowledge God, your need for God to provide for your daily needs. And what's so cool is that this prayer it doesn't get all high and mighty like, oh, you can just pray this way to God and this is what's important and your daily stuff isn't important. God wants you to pray about your classes, wants you to pray about your internships and where your money is going to come from and how God's going to lead you through. And if you're going to get into that secondary admit program that you're trying to get into, God's concerned about your daily provisions. God says in this prayer and convicts us to say that God cares about the little things. When it says, give us this daily bread, it reminds us of when the Israelite people, our ancestors of faith, when they had to trust in God day by day in the wilderness for God to provide manna and quail. They had to provide each day, God had to provide each day's bread because it wouldn't last. And what God wants, whether we're in need or whether we're in plenty, is to recognize that everything comes from him. Because when we start to take these things for granted or start to think that we're the ones who provided this or we're the ones that made it happen, we succumb to the foolish delusion that we can provide our necessities ourselves. And we live as followers of Jesus with the conviction that God is the giver of all good and perfect gifts. Another thing that we acknowledge our dependence upon God for is our total release and pardon from sin. Forgive us our debts. Only God could set us free from the law of sin and death that came from our own sinfulness. Only God can pardon us from our sin because of the free gift of Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection. Only Jesus is the one who can forgive me of my stain of sin in my life and set me free to be new in Christ. And it's because of that forgiveness I can so freely forgive others for what they do. Another way I depend on God is to pray for protection and for God's power. 
pray that recognize that I am easily one who wanders. God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What does it say in the message? It says, keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. God wants us to pray in fellowship with him for protection and for his power. When my daughter Brittany, my oldest, was little, we used to pray the Lord's Prayer and teach the kids the Lord's Prayer, and she started to call it the power prayer. Can we say the power prayer? It was really fun. And I think that's important for us to recognize is that we need to pray for God's power and for God's protection in our lives. If there's anything that we can recognize from the past couple of days and the past couple of weeks, that's what's going on on campuses, what's going on in our lives, what's going on around the world, is that we're in a battle. And it's not just with what we see. There is the reality of evil in the world. And we need to pray for God's power and God's protection as we live out our lives. God wants us to recognize our dependence on him for our provisions, for our total pardon and release by the gift of Jesus and our protection and our power. Now, I want to pause for a moment and just be honest. There's a lot of challenges. There's been a lot of challenges to prayer in my life. One of the challenges is to not quit asking and to keep knocking and to keep seeking God. Because there's been times in my life when I've tried to pray and there haven't been many answers. There's been times in my life where I've cried out to God for something not to happen and it happened anyway. For me, some of you know my story. My dad got sick when I was 13 and he was 51, just a few years older than I am now with early onset Alzheimer's. I prayed for 13 years for my dad to get better. It did a terrible thing in our family and divided our family in some ways that we're still living through and still coming out of. So my challenge of prayer is to keep praying when God doesn't seem to be answering or when it seems to even be getting worse. God's taught me a lot through that journey about why it's important to pray even when we don't understand and even when it seems like nothing's going right. God wants us, he says in this passage later on, that we're supposed to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. And that there's something about the persistence of God's people praying that moves the heart of God. I've had lots of little kids, and I know that my kids can move my heart when they're persistent, right? When the girls were little, what did they want? They wanted the American Girl doll thing or whatever. Dad, can I get the next American Girl doll thing for $50? Yeah. You know, can I get Samantha or whatever else? Dad, now I have Bradley, who's 11, and he loves all the technology and the PS3 and the Lego dimensions and the Disney infinities and all that kind of stuff. Dad, can we go to Target and get Lego dimensions? I broke down a couple days ago or a couple weeks ago and took him. 
You know what? God says, even you who are parents who are evil know how to give good gifts to your, your kids. How much more do I, as your heavenly Father, want to give you things? God wants us to learn how to keep asking and keep knocking because God somehow says, you're partnering with me in my work in the world. I invite you to be part of bringing my kingdom. It's the way you love people is by praying for them. God invites us to have a life of prayer where we're depending on him and asking him for our daily needs. One of the other challenges of prayer is that prayer teaches us some things about ourselves. Tim Keller, who wrote a really awesome book called Prayer, Experiencing the Awe and Intimacy of God. He says that as he was driven to pray more, he was convicted about his prayer life and he experienced a lot of growth as he tried to take, God had led him into some new steps of prayer. And this is what he said. I just love this. He says, I have found a new sweetness in Christ and a new bitterness too. In other words, there were more restful experiences of God where I experienced his love and his peace and his grace in my life. But there was more wrestling as well to see God triumph over evil both in my own heart and in the world. So I don't want you to be dismayed that when you pray, sometimes we open up our heart and we realize some things about ourselves and we realize some things about the world and at the same time, God is growing our fellowship. Come some other wrestlings as God shows us some of the difficult things going on in the world. Now, for me, the consequences of prayer have been this. When I pray, God gives me peace. My fears and my anxieties are lessened. This inner sense of peace rises up, peace that passes all understanding. When I open myself up to just have fellowship with God. Sometimes my perspective gets better because I realize how big God is and my challenges take a proper perspective when they seem so big and so unconquerable. God says, with me, everything is possible. God seems to unleash his power in my life when I pray and in the lives of others. I've heard it said, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. And you know what? God has also brought himself close in close proximity through prayer. God draws close to me when I pray, and I pray he does for you too. That when things seem distant or when things seem hard or when you seem all alone, God draws close in proximity. My invitation to you tonight is not to lay a whole bunch of anything on you except the invitation that God wants to fellowship with you in prayer. God wants you to come exactly where you're at and just be honest and say, Lord, teach me to pray. I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen God tear down the Berlin Wall, tear down structures that I never thought was possible when I knew that there was a whole bunch of little old ladies in Russia praying for those things to happen. And somehow the government fell and the wall fell even though it seemed like the Cold War was going to go on forever. I've seen China, which was closed to Christianity, flourish when people kept praying and growing under the oppression of the Chinese government. 
couple weeks ago, we heard about Nate Gherkin, one of our alumni who was diagnosed with leukemia. And he just posted this week that he was set, they did another test on him and now he's clean of leukemia and he's leaving the hospital clean only a couple weeks later. And we were like, oh my goodness as a staff, how can this be? Praise God, what an amazing thing. God doesn't want you to miss out on seeing him do miraculous, awesome, and great things. And I've already been honest in saying sometimes that doesn't happen, but God wants us to be in communion with him through prayer. So will you follow me, journey with me, join in the journey with God, and pray in a lifestyle of prayer with God? That's my hope for you, the hope for me tonight and for every day. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I pray that you would teach us to pray. That you would expand our idea of what prayer means. That we get to be in communion and fellowship with you. That we can be honest with you. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to use fake words. We can meet you wherever we are. And that you will invite us to be in fellowship with you. And Lord, I pray that you may unlock all the riches of our life in Christ through our lives of prayer with you. Will you spur us on and draw us to you through your son Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.